Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thank you very much. Good morning, friends. Good, and good morning. If you're online, it's lovely to see you. Just as we get started today, I would like you to join me in praying because today is an exciting day. Did you know that? It is an exciting day. It's an exciting day because uh, this afternoon in uh, our east site, they're launching Alpha, which is great. Uh, we're really excited about that. We meet as a church in four locations on a Sunday here in the morning here in the evening, in Southside, and also we're just planting a new site in the east of the city, and they are launching Alpha for 10 weeks, and we'd love to pray for them, because we're one church expressing our calling to follow Jesus in different spaces, and they're taking a lead. So I'd love to stand to our feet for a moment and pray. Uh, We exist to help people follow Jesus, live life to the full, and make a difference. That's why we're here, and we want to pray that more people in every space would come to understand that God loves them, and that he has a one wonderful plan for their life and that plan starts when we lay down our lives at Jesus feet and so let's just pray can we just do that pray for the team at Eastside Rachel and Chris and all of those that are involved father we thank you that you love us and that you sent Jesus to make that really clear and to make the way for us to be friends of God we pray that you would bless the team that are leading Alpha in the Eastside plant this afternoon we pray that many people would come to understand that you love them that a life centred on you is the smartest thing we can ever do. And I pray that people would come to faith and uh, become part of that community. We pray for your blessing and growth and protection. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying, friends. Do take your seats. If you're exploring faith and you've not yet said yes to following Jesus and you'd love a space to um, have those questions out there in the open, talk about faith, then you're more than welcome to go to Alpha as well, which is happening this afternoon. Um, If you're from the Eastside team, just give us a wave. Look, So just catch up with these guys if you want to find out more about the Alpha that's happening this afternoon. Wonderful. If you've got your Bibles, can you turn to John chapter 15? And I have the privilege and joy of carrying on our short series in the book of John called Abide, Formed and Fruitful. And I'm going to start with the words of Jesus. This is what Jesus said to his friends during a meal, but then he says it by his spirit to all of us today. Jesus' words talking about what it is to be formed and fruitful. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What's the invitation here? At the heart of this teaching from Jesus is an invitation for us to live rooted in the love of God. So much around us is uncertain and stressful. The longing that God has for every single one of us is that we operate from a foundation of love and joy and peace in life. Now, we all need more of that, don't we? Jesus, the true vine, is the very source of God's life and love. And the way to God's life and love is through abiding. 
to abide, to remain. That word is used at the start of John chapter 15 and it's explained here in today's passage. And this is the thing that Jesus spoke about on the night before he died, abiding in him. These are some of his final words to his friends and followers, his last words before he went to the cross. And so the focus of today's talk is how we actually stay rooted and remain in God's love. John Tyson, who's a pastor from New York, says this, we often can talk about God being absent from our lives. But in this culture of distraction, I wonder if we're the ones who are actually absent from him. To abide is to become aware of the presence of God in all of life. Now, abide is not a word that we use a lot. So let me just illustrate it for you. If you've got your phone with you, you can just pull it out for a minute. I know I normally say put your phones away in church, but just pull it out for a minute. Just, um, just a little bit of a quiz here. Do you know what the average time spent on a mobile device is for folks in the UK? Have a guess in hours per day. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. It's, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's actually four, point, uh, four hours, 48 minutes a day is the average time spent on a mobile. Somebody said 12. Like, you're in trouble. <laughs> uh, do you know, that's gone up. That's gone up 30% since 2019. Uh, four hours, 48 minutes a day. The average person touches their mobile phone 2,400 times a day. Whoa. <laughs> So to come back to Jesus' language, you remain on your device. You abide. You continue to be present to your screen. So that's just maybe helped us connect with the word there. Now, don't feel too bad. <laughs> it's a useful piece of kit, but you need to be the boss. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to be the boss. <laughs> okay, every, every feature of every app... Every feature of every app, how it's designed, especially if you've got one of these, has been designed to cultivate addictive behavior in you. And it's working, by the sounds of it. Software, genius, software giants are genius. They, they probably have helped cultivate a whole kind of culture of addiction. There's a pastor called K, sorry, J. Kim. He's from... Um, he's from Silicon Valley, and he pastors a church there. He wrote a book called Analog Christian. And he says this, the digital age is in the business of commodifying our attention, getting value from it. The technologies of our day are determined and designed to keep us scrolling and swiping at all costs, plugged into a feedback loop of impatience, comparison, outrage, contempt. Blind to the dangers, we enjoy its temporary pleasures, unaware of the damage to our souls. This pastor has a lot of his congregation that work with the tech giants in Silicon Valley. So he's speaking from inside experience. You know, we're abiding on our devices, but Jesus said, abide in me. I'm the true vine. The truth is in Jesus. Truth is an internal, just in what we think or feel. It's not in our social media feed. It's not in our culture. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's a daily invitation for all of us to abide in Jesus, to continue to be present to him. I love this insight in Mark's gospel when we hear about Jesus calling those first disciples. This is how Mark captures it. He appointed the 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Is that on screen there? The first calling of the disciples is the first calling of every disciple to be with Jesus. 
Now, we don't get to walk around with Jesus like those first followers did, but we do get to walk by faith. Abiding includes time and quality that we spend with Jesus. And there's a little simple acronym of abiding just on the screen there, abide. Pop that one up if you would. Just going to take these words one by one, these letters one by one, and just help us dig into the passage today. First thing about abiding, again, not a word we use a lot, but Jesus uses it, is to become aware of the presence of God. To abide is to become aware of the presence of God in all of life. Brother Lawrence was a monk in Paris in the 16th century. He wrote a little book called The Practice of the Presence of God. Anybody seen that book? Really great book, spiritual classic. And he says the most holy and important practice in the spiritual life is the presence of God. That is every moment to take great pleasure in the fact that God is with you. Jesus says that, doesn't he? The author Max Licardo is helpful about this. He says, you know, don't equate the presence of God with a good moment or a pleasant temperament. God is near you whether you're happy or not. (laughs) I find that freeing. Just by way of illustration to help this kind of settle, we rarely think about the air that we breathe. Yet it's in us and it's around us all the time. In the same way, the presence of God is around us and even in us by the gift of the Spirit. Now you can simply take every breath for granted or you can choose to become aware of your breath. You can take the presence of God for granted or you can become aware of the presence of God in you by the gift of the Spirit. Let's just do that for a minute. Just, and we're going to just become aware of our breath. We've been breathing. Hopefully you have because you're still looking at me, which is great. We've be- we can pause in this moment and just become aware of the breath in our lungs. Just slow down for a minute. Just going to encourage you to follow my pattern of breathing. Just breathe in through your nose. Pause. And then breathe out. And again, breathe in. Pause and breathe out. One more time. Breathe in. Pause and breathe out. Just later, we're going to do a spiritual practice called the breath prayer, which will help us still ourselves and learn what it is to abide. But the very breath that we've just been aware of is a gift from God that we can often take for granted. If you've ever sat with someone who is breathing their last, you're near a family friend who is about to pass away, you know that every breath is precious and every breath is a gift from God and you're thankful for them. In the same way that we've just paused for a minute and become aware of our breath, although it's happening all the time, we can become aware of the presence of God at any moment in our day, heading into a board meeting, in the middle of parenting, driving to work, whatever it might be, we can be aware of the presence of God. We can do that on the go, in the middle of a busy day, but we can also carve out focus time where we can sit in conscious stillness with our thoughts, our feelings, our burdens, our joys in the presence of God and then pour out our hearts to God in prayer. Abiding in Jesus. I love the spiritual practice of the daily examine and it starts with a simple phrase and it acknowledges that we're in the presence of God and we can sometimes say at the start of the daily examine, Jesus, you are here and I am with you. Jesus, you're here. And I'm with you, a centering, simple prayer just to recognize we're in the presence of God. Sometimes those moments in the presence of God are profound. Often they're very ordinary, but in it all, we're learning to be present to God. So the first thing about abide is just becoming aware of the presence of God in all of life. Second thing is Bible, let his words be in you. What does Jesus say? He says this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, verse seven. My words refer to 
everything that Jesus taught. The Old Testament was written to point to Christ and the New Testament tells about him. So letting his words abide in us means being at home with the whole of the scriptures. You know, the primary way Jesus reveals himself to us is through his word. Prophetic words, dreams, visions, they sometimes happen, but the Bible's there every day and it will never change or pass away. So if you want to grow close to Jesus, the invitation is to spend some time absorbing what he says, letting it work its way into our heart and into our thoughts, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to you. To grow closer to Jesus, we have to read and connect with this until it's really forming and shaping the way we think and do life. We can be confident that every phrase, every word comes from a place of love. Read on it, reflect on it, and then respond. So the first thing we've, we've said is abide. Become aware of the presence of God. Bible, let his words get into your system. And then I, integrate God's word in your life. What does Jesus say in the next part of the verse? If you keep or obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. So you need to not just hear, but integrate the words of Jesus into daily choices. Jesus doesn't want to think that abiding is some sort of fuzzy feeling. He clearly says that to abide or to remain in his love is to keep his commandments. The flip side is that if we're not abiding in his love, if we're disobedient to his commandments. I don't know about you, but it's a little bit easier to obey when things are going well. And it's also easy to obey when the thing that you read is already in agreement with what you already think about. <laughs> if you think this way and the Bible matches, you think, oh, that's great. But if the Bible says this and you would, by instinct, think a different way, that's when obedience is challenging. We have to go, is this written in love for me to help me stay in the love of God? Even if it's different to my background, my culture, my instinct right now, there's an invitation to live in the love of God by obeying the words of Jesus. It's always given in love for us. I was reflecting on a story about a couple of missionaries, um, Jim and uh, Elizabeth Elliot. Jim Elliot, anybody read the book, Gates of Splendor? Classic, spiritual classic if you haven't come across it. They were missionaries in Ecuador in the 1950s and they were sent to evangelise the Anka tribe. And Jim, the husband, died when he was attacked by the very people he'd gone to reach. He went to share his faith, built rapport with the tribe's people, but then they martyred him. And Elizabeth actually bravely went back to share her faith with the, very same, with the very same people that killed her husband. Incredible story. Um, but then she got married again, and then she lost her second husband to cancer. And uh, she just had navigated more pain and loss than maybe most of us would encounter. And she told the story of watching um, a sheep and, uh, sorry, a shepherd and his sheep when she was on holiday once in Wales. The dog would herd the sheep up a ramp into a tank of antiseptic where they had to be bathed just to kind of get rid of bugs. And the sheep struggled to escape, but the shepherd uses staff and used to just kind of fling them back into the tank and hold them under the antiseptic water for, for a, you know, a few seconds. It looked pretty brutal. Mrs. Elliot asked the shepherd's wife if the sheep understood what was happening. She replied, they haven't got a clue. <laughs> Mrs. Elliot then said, I've had some experiences in my life that have made me feel very similar to those poor sheep. I couldn't figure out any reason for the treatment I was getting from the shepherd I trusted. He didn't give a hint of explanation. But she pointed out that we have a choice to trust our good shepherd and obey him, knowing that he has our best interest 
at heart. <laughs> Through those times of obedience and even suffering, we can grow closer to Christ. The next thing we see in this list about abide, just making sense of that word, is direct your prayers to God. What does Jesus say? He says this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus speaks specifically about prayer here. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But whatever you wish isn't some sort of blanket promise that says, oh Lord, I'd like a million pounds on the lottery, please. You know, a trouble-free life. It's not one of those kind of prayers. It's not just random stuff. Remember the context here. If you live in me and my words live in you, then ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. When we meditate on the words of Jesus, then his words... They start to shape our longings. They start to shape our very prayers. Our prayers will be more about what God wants and not us using God to get what we want. Jesus is clearly saying, I want you to pray with confident expectation and boldness for things in your life to shift in accordance with my plan and purpose. But these words aren't easy to understand because even if we limit them to prayer for kingdom things, we've prayed for kingdom things that haven't happened. We've prayed for a loved one who didn't come to faith or someone who died of a a dreadful illness. When we think about God's will, we don't always see from his perspective. We can pray that God would further his kingdom, but we just don't know his will in every situation. We have to wrestle with mystery. Jesus promises to do whatever we ask, but the scripture still says we wait on the Lord. Jesus doesn't say when he will do or how he will do it. Paul had a longing that his own Jewish community would come to faith, but he never saw it quite at the level that he hoped for. God often accomplishes his purpose in a way that seems backwards to us. Sometimes we pray for the gospel to spread and then God permits persecution. How does that work? And then 20, 30 years later, we see that was a seed for transformation in a nation. We pray for power, but then God's power is made perfect in our weakness as the Bible says. We live with mystery. Rick Warren, who was familiar with pain, having lost his son when his son committed suicide, said this, God doesn't owe us an explanation for everything. And actually, what I've found is that explanations don't comfort. What comforts is the presence of God not the explanation of God. What does it mean to abide? Become aware of his presence. Let the Bible get in our system. Let it integrate in the commands of life, actually applying them and directing our prayers to God. But the last thing on this thing about abide is live expectant. That's what Jesus is saying here. Be expectant that God is at work. He's at work bearing fruit as we learn to abide. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The reason God chose us is that we'd bear fruit. And the point of planting a fruit tree is that it actually isn't just about the nice leaves or the fact that it's cute to look at. It's actually meant to bear fruit. I'm not much of a gardener. Any good gardeners here? I'm not much of a gardener. But if I, if I go into a garden and I can see a tree with lots of orange things, I can probably figure, that's probably an orange tree. I'm colorblind, but I can work it out. And if I see a tree that's got lots of red and green things on and they're quite big, then I think that might just be an apple tree. You might be thinking, duh, Andrew, you really are pretty basic at this thing. But anybody can identify a tree by its fruit, yes? That's what Jesus said. Well, it's exactly true of us. He's saying, hey, listen, someone should be able to look on at our lives and go, there's a different kind of fruit on your, tree, on your life. There's things that are visible in your life 
that show we've been connecting with God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Are those qualities growing? They're a byproduct of an abiding life in Jesus. I love what the Westminster Confession of Faith says this. The chief end of man is that we glorify God and enjoy him forever. When Jesus asks us to bear much fruit, God's good fruit is good work advancing through us and God's character growing through us. That glorifies God when it happens. Jesus says, these things are spoken that you might have joy, that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. When I think about the word obedience, do you naturally associate that with joy? Or do you think obedience sounds like duty, rules, no fun? Jesus has a word association with obedience and joy. Is that in your word association? (laughs) Because it is in Jesus. Obedience, key to joy. Joy through obedience. That's how Jesus connects those words. Fullness of joy and a life surrendered. It's interesting that in John's gospel, the word joy only crops up once so far in the whole gospel. And then this passage, it crops up seven times. One scholar puts it this way, the world can only offer joy when things are going well. It's relatively easy to be full of joy when you've got a satisfying, well-paid job and good health. But it's not the biblical picture of joy. Those who know Christ can say, we glory in our sufferings. Consider it all joy when you face trials of many kinds, but rejoice in as much that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. And we can also be expecting, just in this last thing about abide, that we can remain in his love. Just as we think about this thing of abiding, there's a call to abide for all of us. God wants us to be connected to his incredible love. And it's through a life surrender to Jesus. Maybe you're in the room and you've not made a decision to follow Jesus. We'd love to help you take a first step. If you're inquiring or wanting to find out more, we have these green bags and they're here every week. And if you're taking a first step to following Jesus, it's the very smartest thing you could ever do. And that's got a resource in there, a Bible to help you. But just as you think about this invitation to live abiding in Jesus, thinking about the words of Jesus, just be honest, maybe you're in one of four places. There's just, glance at the next slide if you would. Maybe there's no routine for you. You're a bit hit and miss. You come to church on Sundays now and again, but it's just pretty all over the place. Or maybe you're a bit kind of irregular. You come now and again, you read your Bible once in a while. Or maybe things are really regular for you. You have a consistent pattern of seeking God. Or maybe things are, but it needs a refresh. Maybe things are really solid. You've just been established in terms of prayer and word and all that sort of stuff. I want to be 100% upfront with you. The goal of this mini-series is to help everyone establish daily patterns to help them abide in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus says, if you remain in me, I'll remain in you. That's the way to a life rooted in the love of God and the work of the Spirit flowing through us. We want to engage all of us in life-giving practices that lead to our transformation. They're opportunities, not obligations. Let me say that. They're opportunities, not obligations. Opportunities to live centred on God's love, not an obligation to somehow earn God's love. There's a big difference. Okay, yes, but how do we do that? A couple of things here. Practically, we can make good habits easier. We can make distracting habits harder. <laughs> make good habits easier. Uh, last week, Joe mentioned habit sacking. Does that, does that make any sense to anybody? I hope it did. When you get a, a new habit that you want to form on top of an existing habit or routine you already have. This is particularly helpful if you're in that place where you've got sporadic routines or your routines are hit and miss. So you've got an analysis of your life. What do I do every day? There are some habits in there that you just do instinctively. If I spot one, maybe I can take one that's not too mentally demanding and lay it on top of it, a life-giving habit. 
So for example, I guess most of you would maybe shower once a day or you brush your teeth or you make a hot drink or you travel to work. Just spot a habit that's happening and stack the habit you want onto the pattern that's already established. So it could be, who makes a cup of tea in the morning? Anyone make a cup of tea or a cup of coffee? Quite a lot of you, right. Some of you do. Then maybe when you put the kettle on and you're boiling that kettle for a couple of minutes, rather than dashing around the kitchen making your lunch, just think, every time I put the kettle on and I pause, I'm going to be still and I'm going to get my Bible out on my phone, I'm going to get the verse for the day and I'm going to be still for a minute and go, Jesus, you are here and I'm with you. Help me centre my day on you. And I just meditate on one verse. Maybe that's your starting point. And you might think that sounds a bit dumbed down. Hey, listen, it's better to start with something consistent and then expand it then say, I'm going to pray for an hour a day, and you fail after two days. Because <laughs> we do that. We go, big goals, and we don't make it, and we feel condemned. It's better to start small and grow something. A small habit is an entry point, not the end point. Once you've started doing something good, it's much easier to expand. For me, I used to pop this on there. I could patent this, but this, I pop it in the shower, and then I put the Bible app on when I'm in the shower. That was what I did. for a, I, The phone was far enough away from the water source. It wasn't a problem. You can buy these on Amazon, showerbible.com. No, no, only kidding. But I just, I just put it on there just because it helped me. When I was in the shower, I, was, I showered every morning, listened to a couple of chapters, and, then, and, that, and I don't do that now. I have other routines. But it was a helpful thing just to get some Bible time in my system. What is it for you? What do you do every day? Routine habit, not too mentally demanding, stack on top a good habit that you want to form. That's one way, making good habits easier. The other way is to make distracting habits harder. For example, if you've got apps that distract you, might just be the case for one or two of you, who knows? If there are some that distract you, then why don't you just demote them from your home screen and put them on a second screen and put them in a little subfolder? And then maybe you could just go into some of the settings and actually limit the amount of time you engage on that thing each day. Just some possibilities that puts a little bit of resistance between that thing that you're drawn to naturally and the thing that you want to do. Let this thing, if you're a device person that abides on it quite a lot, let this be an ally in your plan to abide. Maybe download an app or two. Modify your home screen. Maybe if you just go back to that screen of the four things, no routine, hit and miss. If you've got no routine, then think about the habit stacking thing. Grab the big three if you haven't come across it, which is a resource we produce just to help you get connected with God every day. Start simple. Maybe the decision to say, I'm going to come to church every Sunday. That's going to be the first thing that I've got no routine. Maybe if you're hit and miss. I came across a great reading plan. Discipleship journal, five by five by five. Discipleship journal, five by five by five. It's on the, um, on the Bible app. Five minutes a day, five days a week, and you will get through the whole New Testament in a year. Five minutes a day, five days a week. You've got a couple of days to reflect and catch up if you need to, and you'll get through the Bible in a year. Just a really great resource. There's loads of things. If you feel like some support and accountability would help, chat to a friend. Maybe you can sign up to a reading plan together. Just as we finish here, maybe if you're just the fast one, last one, they're solid. If you're in a solid place, then in your small group, offer to mentor someone. Offer to give them some support and encouragement if they're finding it hard to get into this life of abiding. Final thing as we finish. John 15, Jesus says this with some powerful words. I don't call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. I instead have called you friends. Identity-based transformation. We're not doing something to earn God's love. Living from our identity is key when we think about the call to abide. Imagine two people with a history of smoking and they're resisting the offer of a cigarette from a smoking friend. The first person says, no thanks, I'm trying to quit. 
Sounds reasonable, but this person still believes they're a smoker who's trying to be something else. They're hoping their behavior will change while carrying around the same internal belief. The second person, when offered that cigarette, says, no thanks, I'm not a smoker. It's a small difference, but the statement signals a shift in identity. Smoking has been part of my life, but they're living out of a new identity. What do you believe deep down inside? Is it, I'm trying harder, or I'm a friend of God? If you're coming from a, I'm trying harder, you'll hear, oh, I've got to try and be a better Christian. I better try and pray more, read my Bible more, be a better Christian. But Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. If you live out of friend identity, which is what you've been bought by Jesus, then you say, I'm a friend of God. And friends enjoy being together. Jesus, my true friend and saviour, he's a friend like no one else. I'm going to hang on every word he's got for me. Servants have a list of jobs to do. Friends get to enjoy each other's company. Jesus says, I call you friends. We're called to abide. We're called to be formed and fruitful. Let's become aware of the presence of God. Let's the Bible, his word, get in our system. Let's integrate that word in our daily lives. Direct our prayers to God and live expectant of his joy, his presence, and his work in our lives. Amen. Good stuff. Let's just, as we finish this morning, um, just engage in a really short exercise. I want to do this for a couple of minutes. I mentioned just the illustration of our breath, becoming aware of our breath. Well, I want to end our time with a moment for prayer. And maybe something from the talk will be going around in your head. I want us to engage in a practice called a breath prayer. It might be new to you, it might be familiar. It's an ancient Christian prayer practice that emerged in the first few centuries of the church. Breath prayer just represents a tangible reminder of God's nearness. Just as we can't live very long on one breath of air, our lungs need air constantly, then our souls need God constantly. And we can engage in a breath prayer at any point in the day, but we're going to do it just now. Breath prayer reminds us that each breath we're given is God's gift and that God's spirit is nearer to us than our own breath. So I'm going to invite you to participate. Long enough to be meaningful, but not too long to be awkward. <laughs> Maybe you could sit in stillness. I invite you to put both feet on the ground, legs uncrossed. If you're comfortable, you can close your eyes, or you might find it easier to focus on one point in the room. We're going to just think about a simple biblical phrase and repeat it as we are aware of our breath. The phrase will reflect on is Psalm 62, my soul finds rest in you alone. So just slowly breathe in through your nose and pause and then breathe out. Breathe in through your nose, pause and slowly breathe out. Keep that rhythm going at a pace that suits you. Breathe in, Breathe out. We're going to inhale while praying one phrase just in our heads. And then exhale while praying the other. Just think about the pace. Breathe in. Pause. Breathe out. We'll use the phrase, my soul finds rest as we take in our breath. Just in our heads. 
my soul finds rest. And then as we exhale, in you alone. My soul finds rest, inhale, in you alone. Let's do that a few more times. My soul finds rest, in you alone. I'm not going to speak, but just repeat that a few times in this moment. My soul finds rest in you alone. Just as we conclude this moment, we just recall the words of Jesus. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. I have loved you. Remain in my love. My soul finds rest in you alone. Amen. Just gently come back to the moment very short very simple little introduction to a breath prayer and we're going to put some resources for other breath prayers in the small group notes do you know it's interesting that God's made us and wired us when we go through that process of engaging and reflecting it actually does all sorts of things in our bodies that are positive for us reduces anxiety levels and all sorts of things take place which I can link to in the notes But I'd love us just to stand in his presence and I'm going to draw our time to a close. And if the worship team can come to the front. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.